missing already. Fuck! Come up! Hey! Yes! <laughs> For my next trick. <laughs> you. I want to know where Caleb learned to smile with that huge smile and then stick his tongue out. You blame Carol. Okay. Carol will start a new small group for how to smile and stick your tongue out at people, and uh, we will all be blessed. This will be great. I, I love the way that all of this is flowing to together. Uh, it, it is a new year. This is a new season for all of us as a church family, and, and, and I feel like what, what I want to do this morning, actually, is I want to do a brief kind of summary of what we talked about last week, because the recording didn't work. And so I'm going to glance at the back and make sure the recording's working well today. I'm getting the thumbs up. This is good. Remember what we said, those of you who were able to be with us last week, is that God's plans for 2024 are very different from the world's propaganda. Uh, because God's plans are not about what we do or don't do. God's plans are about who we are, the being, not the doing. And actually, I, I love that uh, Fount and Linda were with us last week, and Fount gave me a very welcome correction to what I said. He said that being is not a static thing. Being is about becoming. And so I want us to look at 2024 in, in that sort of light, through that lens, about what are we becoming? And that's why I love the open door illustration and the key and, and all of the things that we've been seeing already you know, you look around and you think, oh, well, it's just us again. But actually, no, you need to see with eyes of faith that we are looking at an open door at the beginning of this year. And God has got great things ahead for us. And we're already stepping through into them. So I had five things about being and becoming that we looked at last week. And I want to just enumerate them for you before we dive into what I want to focus on this morning. The first was to be loved or become beloved. Um, which is from Genesis 1 and 2. The, the, the creation story shows us that every human being was created to be loved and to become beloved. And we are part of that plan. The second one was to be fruitful. We, target, we started in Genesis. The commission to humanity was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And then the commission at the end of, of Matthew's gospel from Jesus was to make followers from the whole of the world, every ethnicity, every nation, every place, as we go to make followers. And so those two commissions, to be fruitful and multiply and to make followers, we misinterpret that as requiring our effort when what it really requires is our rootedness. That we would be like trees planted by streams of living water who bear fruit in their season. So that's Psalm 1 and also Revelation 20, whatever it is, uh, at the end of Revelation. The third thing about being, uh, being and becoming is to be and become influential. And again, I said that's not to do with how many likes you get on Facebook for us oldies or how many followers you have on TikTok for the younger crowd. It's to do with showing love. As I look around this room, I see a room full of people who are very good at showing love to one another and to those outside of this circle. 
And I believe that as we continue to do that, it's by the love we have for one another that everyone will know that we're his followers. And so we're becoming influential by being lovers of one another. The fourth one was to be faithful, um, which is in our community, stewarding what God has given us, making the full use of what God has given us. We looked at Matthew 25 about being given talents, and some are given more than others, but the key thing is, what do I do with what I have? It's not to look around, um, and Crystal, thank you, you inadvertently gave me a very useful illustration there, when you said, well, you know, I'm not as great as everybody else, or words to that effect, and actually you are, because you're great at being Crystal. And I often refer to you as the talent and the gift that you have for being uniquely you to help other people with who you are. Okay? And nobody else in this room can be crystal. Okay? And, and likewise, every one of us, if we're using and offering and multiplying the gifts God has given us, God is delighted. The only ones that God is not delighted with are the ones who go, oh, well, I'm nothing special, and I'm just going to sit at the back and I'll show up, you know, half an hour after we've started, or I'll disappear before we're finished, or I won't show up next week because I don't feel like it. I I'm not saying anybody here says that, but typically that's what we tend to do, isn't it? I'm talking out of my own experience in the past. Um, but we want to be faithful because uh, when I'm faithful with what God has given me, then he multiplies it. And he makes the impact of it greater than I could make it. Again, it's about being, not about doing. And the fifth thing we looked at was to be mature. And I read from Second Timothy chapter 3. I won't read all of it. But it's all about sufferings and trials and persecutions as you follow Paul. <laughs> He's writing to Timothy. He's like, you've seen how I live. You've seen my example. And we're like, yeah, yeah, I want to follow that kind of example. And then you realize that actually it means you're going to get beaten up and locked up. And <laughs> all that good stuff, right? Trials and sufferings is faithfulness lived out. When stuff gets hard, I press through, not again in my own strength, but in becoming who God made me to be. What I wanted to uh, highlight out of that passage was, as for you, verse 14 of 2 Timothy 3, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. In other words, keep with it, because what God has done to bring you to now, God is going to build on for what he's, he's causing you to become, causing us to become. He's opening a door for us in 2024 that we to walk through. And so what I wanted to focus on today is the strong foundation that we have built here in Catch the Fire Myrtle Beach. We have been a church now for six going on seven years. Our first public meeting was in April, Easter time. Resurrection Day was our first one on the beach. Then the following Sunday, we moved into the restaurant and went public. It was April 2018. So we're coming up for six years of that. But we've been a church meeting in a home and gathering people for seven years since God told us to, to, to start Catch the Fire uh, back at that season of change in Jane's life and my life. Yes, sir. Yes. We do celebrate. Here we are coming up for our seventh anniversary, depending on where you measure from, or sixth anniversary of being public, and that is fantastic. And also, it's no coincidence that we're coming up for the 30th anniversary of the revival that gave birth to us as a church movement. And that's the one that Jane and I experienced and want to live out in the way we live amongst this church family. 
And so the, the 30th anniversary of the revival, John and Carol coming uh, next, when, not this coming Wednesday, the following Wednesday, the 24th, and our seventh anniversary brings us into a new season. God often does thing in, things in sevens, doesn't he? Or when you get to the end of six, that's the beginning of the seventh, which has something special about it. And I believe that this year, you're dead on saying this is a, a, an open door year, I believe this year is a special year for us as a church family. And it's time for us to challenge ourselves to build on that strong foundation that we now have. Okay? We need to see with eyes of faith and not simply with eyes of past experience in order that we can establish expressions of God's kingdom presence here in Myrtle Beach to reach those who are looking for God but can't find him in the way that church is happening around us. There is an open door in 2024. And as I look around this room, every one of you, I see in you that open-heartedness, that willingness to step through, that willingness to be faithful, all of the things I talked about last week, you embody that, and that's how I know we have a strong foundation. I realize there are plenty of us who are not here today with sickness and travel and so on, but even those who are not with us in this room on this moment, I want you to hear as well. I see the open-heartedness, I see the faithfulness, and I see... I want to celebrate that, like Roger said, let's celebrate the foundation God has built. Because every one of you has a crucial part to play in what God wants to do. I also want to repent for not making clearer the challenge along with the invitation. You know how invitational we are, but I think in the past, if I look back, I maybe haven't been as challenging as God has wanted me to be in order to say, you know what, it's worth stepping up to be part of this. It's worth sacrificing to be part of what God is doing. Because if God is going to build on this foundation, we need to be clear about why do I feel at home here and why is it that God's put me here rather than somewhere else? You see, Catch the Fire Myrtle Beach is intentionally different from most of the other churches in Horry County. We are intentionally different. Not to be superior, not to be critical. Be careful. Okay, we're not saying we're better. We're not saying they're doing something wrong. We're just saying we're called to be different. Because, you know, there are literally hundreds of people, thousands probably, in our area who are looking for God outside of the traditional or the contemporary corporate models of church. And we're operating by invitation. That's why I've fallen in, I think, to not being challenging enough when we meet together and when I encourage each of you. I, we do operate by invitation, not by recruiting. We're not the kind of people who send out flyers or, or, or say, hey, come over to our church, it's better than all the others. We don't work that way because we don't believe God works that way. But we are very um, open-hearted. We lead by love, but we also lead by challenge, not by control. Because sometimes when you respond to an invitation to be recruited into something, you then find yourself being pushed into what you're supposed to do by somebody who thinks they know better than you do what you should be doing. And we don't want that model either. We want to lead by saying, who has God called you to be and how can we help you step into who you're to become? What we're doing is building a safe community where every one of us can meet with God, become who we're created to be, and also give his love away to other people. Because it's in the giving away of what God has done that we make a difference in our county, that we make a difference in this region. 
God has been promising to us through 2023 that he's sending us new faces. He's sending us new people. He's sending us people who are ready and willing to help us to build. And this year is to be a year where we build on that foundation that God has created for us. There are open doors in 2024. It's the time to begin a building process. It's time for us to look at things through fresh eyes in order that not to throw away anything that God has done already, but in order to step into what he wants us to be looking forward. So I want to restate this morning and, and reaffirm the values that we live by. You're all familiar with them, but hopefully, again, as we meditate on why has God called us to be a church family, as we rehearse again why is it that we value these things, then we see deeper meaning. Or maybe I found a slightly different wording that resonates with you because we want to be united in what God has called us to be as a community. So the first thing I want to say is that we are a, a church that values the presence above the plan. We're a presence above plan church because we believe that the church is a community of people. So church is not a meeting. Church is not a structure or an organization or a building. But church is a community. And that community is a gathering around our Heavenly Father's presence. He is here when we meet. Here's the temptation I suppose this is the test, if you like, for my heart as well as yours. As we look around the room, we say, well, there's not very many of us here. The temptation is to say, well, how can we celebrate God's presence when there's so few of us? But I'd like you to count. Because Jesus changed the world 2,000 years with less than this. God's presence doesn't go by how many heads or how many butts are in seats. God's presence goes by how much do we gather around him how much do we open the doors for others to come and join that? Not by us recruiting, but by us being full of love, like I said last week. The second thing is that we live to know God and encounter his presence in every area of our lives. So beware the temptation to think that my encountering God's presence is simply when I spend a few minutes with him in the mornings or when I come here on a Sunday and we worship and we read the word together and we talk together about what it means to be community. You're just as likely to encounter God's presence when you're delivering pizza, or you're working in publics, or you're at the courthouse, or, I mean, obviously I could not go through all of you, but when you're doing what you normally do Monday through Friday, or maybe you have to do it Sunday through Saturday, <laughs> just as likely to encounter God's presence in everyday life, in every setting, in every area. God's presence wants to fill your home, whether it's a home you like or a home you're hoping to get out of and move to something different. God's presence wants to fill your conversations with people you meet just even on the street or in everyday life. And the next thing is that we embody God's love for others through our actions and our words. And I, we are very good at that. But I trust that we're as good at that when we are just in ones and twos as we are when we're together like this. We want to express love to other people. We want to embody God's love for others. And for that reason, we value things like humility and integrity and, and, and spiritual health, emotional health. You notice what Jane was doing over Crystal when Crystal was saying, well, there's not much good about me or I'm not so special or whatever. And you didn't really mean it, so, but I'm picking on you because you gave me the perfect opportunity and you had no clue what you were doing. But 
any time we see any part of orphan-heartedness slipping back in, even if it's light-hearted, we want to challenge it and say, hey, wait a minute, you're more than that. You're better than that. Which is why, again, Crystal, I treasure who you are. We treasure who you are and what you bring. We need what you bring, and we, we are so grateful to God for the qualities and the gifting that you bring. And I could do the same with every one of us. And we want to be the kind of people who live that way. We want to be the kind of people who, want to, who uh, have um, not just charisma, not just gifting, not even just power, uh, but we want to have humility and integrity and emotional and spiritual health. Because that's, um, that's infectious. That's attractive. That's how God wants us to be. We also embrace transparency. We want to be authentic. We want to have passion. We want to be real with one another. And we are when we gather like this. But I believe God is taking us to a new level. If you like, this is somewhat of a warning. It's like fasten your seatbelt, keep your arms inside until the end of the ride. We want you to go through this without getting hurt and to come out the end going, Woohoo! That was fantastic! Not, oh gosh, I wish I hadn't got on that. Okay? So God values transparency, uh, being real. God wants us to inspire others with our authenticity. It's one of the things that Jane and I have had to learn through the School of Hard Knocks, is that it's actually much more worth being honest and real. <laughs> like Jane this morning in the prayer time, which is saying, you know what, Mark and I went through some, some ministry for me yesterday because of this stuff that's going on in my life right now. We want to be real. There's no pretending. What you see is what you get. And as I look around this room, that's the true of all of you. But you know what? There are hundreds more people out there who want this and they haven't found it yet. And that's part of our challenge for 2024 is how we're we going to structure and sacrifice and commit ourselves to be able to reach them and to make an open door for them as well as for us. This is too good to keep to ourselves. We decline a focus on perfection in performance. I don't care whether you can sing in tune. If you can stand up and sing and lead the rest of us in singing, great. And I'm not referring to Ira and Holly, okay? But I don't care if you're not very good at flagging. Come up and flag. Inspire the rest of us. I don't care if you're not very good at speaking what you're hearing God saying. Just tell us what you do feel so that God can take it further. I didn't mean to look at you when I said that, Sherry. You're very good at hearing God. You just happened to be in my line of sight as I swung from side to side. I saw the reaction on your face. <laughs> we want to be real, okay? Because God loves real. God knew what he was doing when he made you exactly how you are. And we need who you are to be fully expressed. Not held back, but fully expressed in order for all of us to become who God wants us to be. I completely lost my place in my notes, but that's fine. Oh yes, we don't fulfill the Great Commission by going out and scalping people, by getting them to pray a prayer. We fulfill the Great Commission by discipling, saying, follow me as I follow Jesus. Now that might be just a brief encounter in the grocery store or on the boardwalk or wherever and say, hey, you know what? I think I've got something you need. Would you like it? <laughs> That's fine, but actually the, the Great Commission is fulfilled as we live to bring others with us where we're going and as others take us where they're going. I think I've said this before, but I think it bears saying again. 
When we disciple, it's always a two-way process. There are people that I meet with every week, and to start with, they ask me, can I meet with you because I want to learn from you? But actually, I learn as much from me teaching as I do. You know, it's, it's back and forth. They're discipling me because I'm following you as you're following Jesus, just like you're following me as I'm following Jesus. Catch that? That's the calling for all of us. It's a two-way street. That's how we fulfill the Great Commission. How can we equip one another? How can we impart to one another? We love all five of the gifts that Jesus said he was giving to the church. The apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelistic, the teaching and the shepherding. All five working together. Now you may not embody all five of those, but aspire to. To be sent and to be in tune with what God is saying now, as well as to have a heart for others to find him and to not be lost any longer, as well as to help them know the depths of God's love by discovering fresh truth, as well as to feel cared for and loved and healed and made whole. All of it is our calling. Now, it's great if you're good in one or two areas, but aspire to grow both to aspire to grow in the areas you know you're gifted in, but also to be brought by God into some of the other other areas of the five. We want all five together. The goal is not to raise um, spiritual guides, if you like. People who stand at the front know what to do. I'm not here standing at the front telling you what to do. I'm just saying, here's the journey I'm on, and do you want to come with me? We want spiritual fathers and mothers. And actually, again, as I look around the room, I see many spiritual fathers and mothers. You're gathering others with you, bringing them with you into uh, maturity. And sometimes all of us can be more like Caleb, (laughs) where it's just fun to stand there and stick my tongue out at everybody. (laughs) But mothers and fathers accept that as part of the picture. That's beautiful too. Okay. Spiritual fathers and mothers who in turn will raise up new spiritual fathers and mothers. And we unashamedly accept that this is a costly path. It costs to live this way, doesn't it? It, There is a price to this, but the challenge is worth the cost. And that's what I wanted to get to. We we embrace, I've stolen this from, from another one of the Catch the Fire churches, but it says, we embrace the calling of irrational and radical generosity in all areas of our lives by intentionally and purposefully having fun. Say that again. We embrace the calling of irrational and radical generosity in every area of our lives by intentionally and purposefully having fun. Does that not look like Jesus in the chosen? I want to be like him. I hope it shows in us. I think it does. As I look around, I see a lot of people who are very generous with every aspect of their lives and who enjoy having fun. Supernatural, exactly. Yes, it is irrational. So my mind goes, oh, no, I ought to be more mature than that. <laughs> Tried being mature, it hurts. <laughs> Let me say, yes, it does take an effort to be mature. <laughs> and it's an effort I'm not prepared to make. But 
giving our lives away is a joy to be discovered. Giving our lives away is a joy to be discovered. It's beautiful and fun. Now, I know you're up for fun because I've seen you. <laughs> Guess what? The door is open on 2024. There's a whole load more people out there who have been waiting to have fun. You can go find them. So, let me land the plane a little bit here. How do we focus and structure our lives in order to give them away? <laughs> what have I learned and what can I pass on to you that will help us to do that? Well, I know best of all to go to Jesus, because he knows better than anybody. And in uh, Matthew 10, he says this, 10 verse 39, Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He's sending out the disciples. Just get ready. He's, this is a year where he's sending us out to take a step beyond what we think we can do. He's calling us to begin to walk on water. He's calling us to build on the foundation that he's created. He says, if you, if you try and hang on to what you've got, well, then it'll slip through your fingers and you'll lose it. But if you lose your life, it's like, oh God, if I do that, I'm going to look like a fool or I don't know how it's going to work or I'll be broke or whatever. But actually, he says, you'll find it. And he says, whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. So as you just give your life away, guess what? Everybody gets Jesus and the Father. As you have Jesus and the Father, as you give everything away. Because in the end, that's what he did, wasn't it? Philippians 2. <laughs> he just gave it all away. Full store. <laughs> the whole lot. Just gave it all away. Temptation is, for, for me anyway, it may not be for you because you're probably more mature than I am, but the temptation for me is to look after myself, to settle for what's comfortable. And, and actually, I've learned to identify that temptation. And as for me, I'm choosing sacrifice and I'm choosing serving and I'm choosing kingdom influence and settling into being more influential than I thought I was and suffering if necessary as a result. That's my choice. I want to invite you to make that choice with me. <laughs> because the other place that Jesus talks about finding your life and losing it is in Matthew 16, a little bit further on. A little closer to the crucifixion, of course. Matthew 16, verse 24. Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I'm not saying you're going to die in 2024, but something in you might die in 2024 because God's thrown the door wide open and the invitation is to step out and discover that there's something greater than we've known up till now. There's a parallel account from Matthew in, in John 12. He says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, Lest a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. Better than a lonely grain of wheat. A lonely grain of wheat this year. If it dies, it bears much fruit. 
Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever, well, the translations say whoever hates his life in this world. What the word literally means is to love this world's life less than the life of the kingdom. It doesn't mean you've got to go hate yourself, go and you know, start doing anything, beat yourself up. What it means is this life now for me is so much less important to me than the kingdom life that God has for me. And you'll keep it forever. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. And if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. As I look around the room, I see people that the Father loves to honor. The Father loves to honor you for who you are and what you do and how you live out what Father's done in your life already. Because he honors you, he wants to add to you. Jesus is talking about seed and harvest like he so often does. The, the grain of wheat that falls into the ground and dies and bears much fruit. There's a seed time and there's a harvest. That principle is universal in God's world, isn't it? You know, whether it's the dandelions in your lawn <laughs> or, the, or the, the, the flour you used to bake that came from the grain that grew from the wheat that chose to die. Maybe the farmer chose to kill it. There are three areas of seed time. There's our tides that prepare the ground. There's our offerings that sow the seed. And then there's our arms that water the growth. So when I tithe, I'm not just tithing my, my money. Yes, I do tithe my money. That first tenth belongs to God and I give it back to him. But then also I'm tithing my time. Father, how do you want me to live my time today? Because time is a gift from you. Every time I open my eyes, he's given me another day. And how do you want me to use that? Because I want to give it back to you. I want to tithe my talent. I don't want my talent just to go into my employment uh, or into my family. I want my talent to go into the kingdom. What is it God has gifted me for that I can give back to him by using it in every setting for the kingdom? That tithing is what's, what prepares the ground for kingdom increase. And then as I go beyond the basic, as I go beyond the, the foundation, then I go into the area of offerings, where I give something extra from my money to, to fulfill a certain uh, need or to, to, to fulfill a certain vision. Or when I reach out to others when I don't want to. Remember how many times it says in the Gospels that Jesus was moved with compassion and then he did something. Well, offerings are like that. Again, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about the way that I'm sensitive to the prompting of Holy Spirit to be moved with compassion for somebody. Give them what they need. And then the alms is where I train myself to care where God cares. He says we're to focus on the widow and the orphan and the stranger and the outcast, the people that others overlook. And as I look around the room, I see people who are all motivated in that way. And I want you to hear that when you take care for those things, when you care where God cares, he increases. That waters the, 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 the growth of the kingdom in our lives. It does apply to money. Because the Bible tells us, or Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So this is about money. 
And let me just throw in an aside here. If you're not giving to catch the fire, please come and tell me privately why you're not giving to catch the fire because I want to hear from you why is it that you can't put your heart where your, excuse me, the other way around, can't put your money where your heart is? Because there may be something we need to hear and adjust. But I'm not talking about money. The, the harvest is much more than about finances. It's about influence. It's about followers. It's about peace. It's about wisdom. It's about making a difference in the Grand Strand. It's about making a difference in our county. And that's a call to all of us to sacrifice in some way for the sake of the kingdom for the sake of Jesus. So imagine with me, I'm going to wrap it up here, but imagine with me if 10 times this number of people, or maybe 20 times this number of people, could taste what we've established here in Catch the Fire. The love, the openness, the trust, the sense of freedom, the, the understanding of how we can get more free. Imagine what it would be like if more people could taste this reality, the, re the relationship with God, but also the relationship with one another. There's got to be at least 500 or 1,000 people in Ori County who want this kind of expression of relationship with God. I'm not looking at numbers, but I'm, I'm talking about the people who are tired uh, of church programs, who are tired of judging by appearances, who are, who are tired of self-effort, who are looking for a real relationship with God. And if we're honest, we found it. Now, we're not saying we're better. We're saying we've found something that there are people out there who are hungry for. Imagine with me if, if a tenth of your time, a tenth of your talents, your gifting, were invested in seeing the kingdom expand here. I think that's the challenge for us with this open door in 2024. Imagine how many people you influence and what the consequences can be. Because for most of us, this is the family where God has planted us. And I do want to challenge each of us to build further this year. See, what can I do? Where do I fit? What does God want of me? How can I help to, um, to focus my commitment to catch the fire? So I don't just show up or do what was asked of me, but I actually am hearing God to say, I feel like I want to do this, or I see this need, and I want to be part of fulfilling it. We want to, be, to, to keep that sense of family where each of us does what's needed to be done. I love it you know, when I just see people say, hey, I, I saw the trash was full, so I emptied it, that kind of thing. But I also love it when people show up and say, you know what, I would love for us to do this, and I'm happy to help to lead it. And every one of us is called to raise others up around us, to help others step into what we already enjoy. So that is my uh, challenge to myself. I want to equip each of you and be there for you as you step more into what God wants you to be here in Catch the Fire. Believe that this year is that seventh celebration year where things turn for the different, the turn for the better. I believe our best days are still ahead of us. And I know it's going to cost us, and I'm not, being, I'm not skirting over that, but I want you to see the joy of it. Remember, we intentionally and irrationally have fun so we can give our lives away. I'd love for you all to be here when John and Carol come on Wednesday the 24th because I believe there's an impartation. John and Carol are our spiritual parents. And so having mum and dad come visit for the very first time in our seven years is very significant for us and I believe it's going to be the spark that lights the fire for this year of open doors. I want to give each of you, as we close, 
Um, if you know this is your church family, and I believe that's all of us, I've got a letter to give you and, and some questions and uh, some, want some feedback from you. Give you something that you're not to respond to straight away, but I'd love each of you to just to come up as we close, and I want to give you a letter from Jane and me. Summarizes uh, what I've said, but that helps us to begin the process of saying yes to the challenge. This is any pressure to do what we say. You would rightly want to withdraw from that kind of control, but I'm embracing the challenge to be more in 2024. We are embracing the challenge to be more in 2024. To accept that challenge. And I believe that you would say yes. So if you're happy to say yes, let's stand together. I want to pray and then I'd like you to come on down and grab a letter. You're stretching us. And we want to say yes to being stretched. You've got more for us. Actually, we don't want to stay where we are. <laughs> it's adequate, but there's more. And so, Father, thank you for everything we see in the rear mirror of all that you've done to bring us to this point. But now we lift our eyes and look forward through the windshield. Much bigger piece of glass than the rear mirror because there's more from you for us in this year ahead. And Father, our hearts are touched by the idea that there are many, many people who need and want and are looking for what you've given us here in this church family. Would you show us how to move forward? Would you show us how to build? Thank you for this strong foundation of love and freedom and diversity. But would you now build on that foundation? Cause us to be anointed by you, equipped by you, envisioned and inspired by you, each of us doing what we are to do, not comparing ourselves with one another, but seeing you move us forward in this new year. Get before us an open door. I'm choosing to walk through it, Father. Come and grab a letter. God bless you. Give us your feedback whenever. Don't rush. <laughs>